Greetings, action fans, and welcome back to All 90s Action All the Time. Well, we said we would be back, and what better reason to do that than to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the action classic that is Con Air. Just in case you've forgotten, I'm your host, Scott Murphy, and as alongside me to talk about the film, I have my regular co-host. He's a screenwriter, he's a part-time comedian, and he's killed more people than cancer. It's Mr. Craig Drahim. I'm going to show you God does exist. I'm always fascinated to know what, what wine you pick from the movie. There, <laughs> there were almost too many. To, I wanted to do somebody else, but yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll talk more about that in a while. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a very special guest in namely 90s co-host, wine connoisseur, and a man who really doesn't like it when you take the bunny out of the box. It's Mr. <laughs> Brandon Schwitter. Put the bunny back in the box. Hey, everyone. That does seem like the, the, the best way to go there, right enough. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm lucky that you picked that one for me. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I know a quote. I know a quote. Yeah. Um, this this is like a regular trope on the podcast where I, I always frame Craig as the villain and I always <laughs> frame our special guest as the hero. I don't know why. It's just fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm honored. Last time, I mean, last time I was here, I already had slain Craig because he didn't even show up. Oh, yeah. oh that yeah. that is that is true. It was just me and you on the yeah. Escape yeah. from LA episode. So it's ni- nice to finally meet the villain of the podcast. <laughs> Thing. I, I think I play the role pretty well. I yeah, by slowing things down and asking a lot of questions. <laughs> I'm just worried two Americans, we we might we might counter or throw off the balance here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was it all started from uh, Craig's first appearance on the podcast um on Deadly Ground, where uh, Craig's massive appreciation for Michael Caine's villain in that character yes. in that film was uh, <laughs> sealed him as the as the villain of the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah we learned that apparently Steven, uh, Steven Seagal movies, the villains are the ones that I was like, oh, I could watch a movie with them because they're way more charismatic than Steven Seagal. You mean the man who's just a block of uh, <laughs> solid wood is is less charismatic than Sir Michael Caine? Yeah. How dare you, Brandon? He is a block <laughs> of solid wood with a ponytail. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say a sack of uh, flesh, but that's more gelatinous and can move at times. <laughs> um, before we get into the film, we got a few details as always. Con Air was released on June 6, 1997. It was directed by Simon West in his directorial debut. He would go on to direct such films as Lara Croft Tomb Raider, The Mechanic, and The Expendables 2. And it was written by Scott Rosenberg, who would work with both uh, Cage and Cusack again, as he was the writer on Gone in 60 Seconds, and he was one of three writers on High Fidelity. Critically, the film is sitting on a 6.9 out of 10 on IMDb, 55% on Rotten Tomatoes based on 65 reviews, 52 on Metacritic based on 23 reviews, and it has a 3.3 on Letterboxd. Box office-wise, it made a great 
224 million off of a 75 million dollar budget making it the 16th biggest film of 1997. So before we get into talking about the movie, we always ask, um, you know, when people saw this movie, if they've seen this movie before, um, which I presume, well, I know you both have, but anyway, um, when did you, well, start with you, Brandon, when did you first see this movie? And yeah, what was your first impressions of this film? Can I just f- first be the villain this for for a second and derail us to say you buried the lead about Scott Rosenberg. Uh, he is the writer of the 2000 or co-writer of the 2003 movie Kangaroo Jack. Well, I was going to I was going to talk about Scott Rosenberg's okay. writing credits more and his kind of. Okay. Okay. Weird writing career. I just, that I, I just want to make sure that we're just not going to blow past that completely, because <laughs> uh, I have I have so many more kangaroo Jack uh, digs uh, to come. But <laughs> so the first time I watched, well, okay, to be completely honest, this is the first time I've watched Con Air front to back like, without oh. interruption. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. interesting um craig craig mentioned this before we started recording um when we were trying just chatting it's always on tv sure so i've seen the middle of this movie probably uh uh, 10 times somewhere somewhere in that like ballpark but i've never seen the beginning i've seen the ending once or twice um but i like this is the first time that i've sat down to watch this movie uh, instead of just being like, oh, it's on in, in the hotel room that I'm staying at for a night while driving from California to Washington, um, <laughs> which is the most vivid memory I have of watching this. It's I usually pick up right around the boneyard, like yeah. as, as the plane crashes and then watch until the end or kind of just go out and pick up pizza and forget that the movie's on when I get back. Uh, so that that is my my familiarity with the movie uh so this watch through has given me so much appreciation for it versus just like oh this is on tnt again <laughs> okay uh well that, uh, so we're gonna sorry get... to disappoint you <laughs> no 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 that's not disappointing it, it, it gives uh it gives a different perspective on you know uh it's not just three people who have watched the movie tons of times <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've watched it tons of times, just like that. Yeah. All, not every time is Dave Chappelle in the movie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Dave Chappelle, is a, uh, as we talked about off air, I have seen this movie many, many times. This is probably my first watch in a decade, but I've seen it many times. I Something I had on video um, and I watched a lot when I was a teenager and in my 20s. And for some reason, even though... Uh, there's many scenes that are totally etched in my mind and I can quote a lot from this movie totally forgot Dave Chappelle was in the film don't know why but yeah totally but and this is unfortunately um, as much as I really like uh, the Chappelle show and always remember his performance in the likes of like the Nutty Professor or whatever 
this is the second time this has happened to me, like this year, because like I forgot he was in Robin Hood Men in Tights as well. Oh, yeah. So I like, <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. you know, Dave Chappelle is one of those actors where you're like, oh, I loved him in Dave Chappelle show. I love Dave Chappelle. And then you're like watching a random 90s movie and you're like, wait, Dave Chappelle's in this? Uh, like, yeah. I don't know. Uh, was it You Got Mail or? No, yeah. yeah, You've Got Mail. He's you've the, Got Mail. Like his what assistant or tom hanks like, is yeah. like assistant or best friend is dave yeah. chappelle <laughs> or like uh is it how high i don't know there's there's a lot there's a lot of dave chappelle just random i'm like oh yeah he's in this yeah, yeah i i think like i i suppose it's it, i suppose it's like you know an actor being like settled in your mind of like knowing... is wayne brady gonna have to choke a bitch <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm just i i guess like i i don't know i mean i I guess he just like popped up in in random things it's one of those things that like i'm very aware of like dave chappelle's career like post post like half baked there's like half baked and then he did like the his hbo special killing them softly and then like there was the chappelle show and then like you know you're aware of chappelle from that moment you know like Right. Post so post that, but pre that, like I'm just like I for always forget like what he's in apart from the Nutty Professor. <laughs> I see. I don't even remember he's in the Nutty Professor, but I haven't seen that in probably two and a half decades. Yeah. Well, actually, like I don't remember much from the Nutty Professor. Um, apart from like apart from that scene where like Dave Chappelle is like a stand-up comedian who ribs Eddie Murphy's character when he's like in the fat suit. And then when he becomes like the alter ego, like Eddie Murphy's character, like goes back to the same comedy club and like eviscerates him, um, like back, like uh, you know, just totally tears strips off him comedically. Um, so like, that's some, yeah. <laughs> my main memory of the Nutty Professor. See, all I remember is Nutty Professor Two clumps, or is it <laughs> is it the first one or the second one when they're just all sitting around the table farting? It's, I think, probably both. I think that's, that's, both that's fair. That's I fair. think that's both of them. <laughs> but see, I just, my memory of that is not even from the movie, but what when, when they made fun of it in Tropic Thunder with Jack Black, was right? It? Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, the fatties or whatever that fake mm. movie. It's like, oh, yeah, Jeez. that's yeah. <laughs> well, um, well, guys, um, I think congratulations <laughs> are due um i think this is the quickest an episode has been derailed most episodes <laughs> are derailed at, at, at some point um this is a a tangent heavy podcast if you've not listened to the podcast before you know strap in you know this this is what happens but generally it happens later in the episode um generally we've at least kind of covered like the first act or or the opening scene or something before the the episode goes off the rails completely um but yeah uh i'm sorry we, is this not the episode about the action 90s action star dave Chappelle? no no <laughs> it's all about dave Chappelle. no because like we can't talk more about dave Chappelle because then th- then we have to discuss other more recent events <laughs> with dave Chappelle, and that's a uh, whole right, other yeah. podcast yeah <laughs> that's very true we cannot go into dissecting the comedy of dave Chappelle. <laughs> And it's great influence, and it's now problematicness in more later incarnations. We can't go down that road. 
that that's like an a, another two-hour podcast on top of our probably going to be two-hour podcast yeah <laughs> i'm sorry i derailed you from getting us back on course yeah. <laughs> you did indeed brandon you did indeed um <laughs> So, Craig, when did yeah. you first watch the movie? Con Air. Remember, yeah. we're talking about Con Air. Yeah. So, Dave Chappelle, no. Um, so, uh, I wa- I probably watched it when it first came out on VHS. And mm. then after that, it was, yeah, what we were talking about prior, where it could be randomly on television, where I would just see. I'd either see the opening and then watch it for a little bit and stop where, you know, the very, as we'll get into it, melodramatic opening <laughs> or, um, with how do I live without you? And then um, I, I, I want to say maybe five years ago or maybe a little bit more after only seeing really small clips, like, you know what, I want to go through this and actually watch Con Air because I haven't remembered it since the very initial time or I've only seen these tiny bits. And so I watched it and then it became one that like it was just, I would kind of throw on for a bit. If there's, there's nothing else on every, you know, every other year or things like that. But um, yeah, this was the, I don't know. I, I mentioned it before recording. This was one because I always watch it as background noise or just, you know, while I'm having snacks or whatever is fun, but watching it, kind of dissecting it scene by scene was a whole new experience for me yeah 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 for sure so um uh since uh, since since you've gotten the ball craig uh can yes. you tell us how this movie begins sure so the movie begins with um first of all so there's the jerry bruckheimer um uh, <laughs> intro which I, when i first watched it, i went oh i haven't what is he doing now? Because he was a king of blockbusters and television for a bit. And I feel like I haven't seen that logo for a while, but to not derail anymore, I will say that it, he, so Cameron Poe, AKA Nick Cage is getting discharged from the army. It's honorable. And they're talking about the army Rangers and how great they are. And He's finally going to go see his wife kind of after all this time who's working in this bar in Alabama. Yeah. Oh, uh, fun fact. Uh, apparently the, the, the person, the voice, the voice that you're hearing talking about the army and how great they are is an uncredited voice cameo um, by Purr's Booth. So it's, that's okay. cool. Yeah. The voice sounded familiar and I kept trying to place it, but uh but yeah, so he re- reunites with his wife and it's playing the song, How Do I Live Without You? <laughs> and it's very cheesy. And he has his, um, I guess it's a Alabama accent. <laughs> I, is that, I is that what that was? <laughs> apparently. Um, my my apparently second bullet point work. is, what is this accent? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's supposed to be an Alabama accent. Because, like, um, apparently he wasn't required to have a southern accent, but, like... Um, he just thought it was important to have. Yeah, he just, he he went down to, like, they were just impressed um, by his dedication of, like, before filming began, he, like, went down to uh, mobile. Is, is, it, is it pronounced mobile or mobile or... 
Mobile, I think. They, yeah, uh, mobile. So he went down to Mobile, Alabama. And um, yeah, he was he was there for a while trying to pick up the accent and um, uh, yeah, and he, he worked on it and and that's what he came up with. It's 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 yep, it's, which is shocking because that feels like an accent that somebody would base off of listening to a fake southern accent. Like it doesn't seem like the one who actually did their research. Yes, it does. <laughs> Uh, I know, I know. It is kind of funny because, like, I I read about it. And apparently, Nick Cage was yeah. He he went down there and he was trying to work on it and stuff like that. But yes, it does sound like one of those southern accents where it's just like a kind of anybody. It's like you know, do a southern accent and it's just that comedy. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it sounds like Nick Cage trying to do yeah. a bad southern accent. Yeah. <laughs> And so he talks about how's my baby doing, even though she's not even showing at all and things like that. But then there are some unruly bar patrons. Yeah. To to be fair, uh, I just realized I haven't actually seen this entire movie all the way through because I went to the bathroom as I (laughs) pressed play on the movie. Uh, I still heard everything going on, but... um, I, I came back in when he was holding her belly going, how's my baby doing? And I was like, I am in the wrong movie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say the whole opening up until, and I wrote this in my notes, they get on the plane. It feels like a different movie. It feels like a Jerry Brockheimer production, though, because it's yeah, pitch yeah. black <laughs> and raining and you can't see a damn thing. Yeah, yeah that, that's true. I. Do you know the fa- the fascinating thing is um no I'll I'll leave I'll leave that for I'll leave that for a bit actually. Um <laughs> we can we can continue on with the the plot for now. Uh, but basically yes, he beats up uh three the, the unruly the unruly bar patrons like cause trouble in the bar um but then he doesn't rise to the trouble in the bar but then they try and cause trouble again by trying to like beat them up outside of the bar, and then he beats them up. He he beats them up instead, and uh, one of them pulls a knife on him, and then he kills that guy by like accidentally kills. That yeah, guy. he accident he accidentally kills the guy, so, <laughs> which is crazy. Watching the movie, and it's always one of those things where, like, wait, so three? Even if he's you know, in the army rangers, mm-hmm. right? three men in the middle of the night attacked him, started beating him up first. One with a, a deadly on him. Yeah. yeah. And he still ends up with like eight years in prison. Because <laughs> he deflected a stab. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No, no, it's <laughs> I love the reasoning of this movie. And this this scene for, for some reason always sticks out in my head because the judge implies that he would get a very light sentence if he was a normal guy. But because he was an army ranger and therefore a deadly weapon, then he needs more prison time. Yeah. For yeah, defending he... himself and his wife after taking a beating first. <laughs> I mean, the the one point is he could have just listened to his wife and drove yeah. home. Yeah. comma yeah. still attacked by three yeah. men and a knife yeah and i know i know i know still 
still jumped by three guys, one holding a deadly weapon. Um, so. <laughs> but so he does that, and then while he's in prison, his wife and now daughter, um, who writes very eloquent eloquent letters, apparently at in at the age of three. <laughs> she, they never come to visit him because he doesn't want to see them or he doesn't want her first image of him to be in prison even though yeah <laughs> besides the point uh, so we'll just pass on we'll some of this stuff. That. yeah so and then but he because of the snowball treats that he doesn't know the name of <laughs> those with yeah. coconut covered did, did they not did they one the rapper was sitting next to him and two did they just not get the uh the hostess uh brand deal that they were hoping for and then they were just like uh adr snowball or yeah <laughs> yeah also i'd like to point out the the he doesn't mention these but it's shown underneath the snowballs he has cooler ranch doritos yeah like <laughs> A fun size bag of Cooler Ranch Doritos in those packages. Cooler Ranch, for those of you youngins out there, was the flavor of Cool Ranch in the 90s because Doritos thought Cooler Ranch was more 90s style or cool yeah. or hip or whatever. <laughs> but I just, I've, I, so I was born after the change, or, or I mean, my first time I remember having Doritos was after the change. So I, I for my lifetime um have been searching for more cooler ranch Doritos because it's now <laughs> cool ranch Doritos. I'm like, no, I want it cooler than cool. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, that's true. That does seem very on brand 90s. You know, it's like mm -hmm. it was a time where we spelled extreme with an X, you know, like it was <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just an X. No E at the front, just a large X. And then <laughs> <laughs> and so um oh i i think it should yeah. also be mentioned because it's a line that absolutely slayed me was during the prison montage where he's like working out and writing letters that's all he does work out writing letters yeah. occasionally talking to his cellmate and learns origami in spanish yeah yeah he learns origami <laughs> he learns spanish um you know so like he's he's really improving himself um but the, he's writing letters back and forth and a line that absolutely I, I, I burst into laughter and it, it gets me every time I watch this movie is when uh, the little girl writes him a letter about like school and stuff and then he oh, writes the it back uh, we don't exactly have a playtime and I just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know why that line is so amusing to me, but like it's just uh yeah, yeah. I thought it should be mentioned. Probably yeah. the accent. Yeah. Also, yeah, 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 you, yeah. Doing it. <laughs> since you just brought it up, uh another character that was in jail for uh a, a length of time in this movie, um, didn't instead of learning Spanish and origami, decided to get two PhDs, I believe. <laughs> So what what was Nick Cage doing? Like, oh, I'm yeah. just gonna learn Spanish and origami for seven years, and like, come on, John Malkovich's character got two PhDs while in prison. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm not even sure that's possible. I'm just like, because PhD takes many to get two in that time span. I'm not even sure that's 
Well, he was in jail for 25 to 30 years, I think. All right. Saying. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's true. That's true. All right. Yeah. 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 Because uh, he, he'd been in jail like way away. Like, I, I can't, like, yeah. 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 But jail, I mean, but... he could have got his master's. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. Yeah. That's true. I mean, like, yeah. 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 Because <laughs> I can't, I can't remember how many years PhD is in there. It's like seven it's years a... or something, isn't it? It's three, so it's that three on, at minimum. Yeah. yeah. So the master's is like depending, like two to three, and then mm-hmm. a PhD is minimum if you're doing you know really well, three or four, yeah, three or something. Yeah, three or right, four. Right. Yeah. Um. um but yeah. so, well, anyway, congratu- <laughs> congratulations. We've not even made it out of the <laughs> yeah. introduction. Sort of so, so for this forwarding (laughs) for this cheesy kind of intro that yeah doesn't feel it feels like a Brockheimer movie but then doesn't feel like the same movie um he meets he becomes friends with baby o who um is you know i forgot the name of the actor now why can't i think of uh mckilty williams yes um also generally known as bubba from uh, forrest gump i guess yeah i was like oh it's the the guy who's in the 90s who the whole time i i forgot he didn't survive spoiler alert it's like oh they're gonna kill him oh god because that's what it seemed like every role he was in in the 90s they just killed he was the best friend who Wait, taught didn't, didn't yeah. he survive he does no yeah. i just for some reason oh, oh I, you thought he was going to yeah i was like oh because yeah <laughs> he, he only dies if he starts saying uh shrimp is the fruit of the sea yeah and so there he finally gets paroled and while his friend and baby o so poe is paroled baby o is moving to another prison but he doesn't need poe to protect him because he's got god on his side don't forget he's diabetic yes that is an important part he's diabetic and i think that brings us oh then they get on the bus to go to the plane and the guard is even really nice and telling him about how he needs how that daughter is a great reason to be reformed and rehabilitated and it just seems like it's everything's going really well can you tell <laughs> us why they are being put on a plane to or are we there yet them. because the not there? plot says so. <laughs> yeah it's transporting them to where to a no, maximum to... security uh new maximum uh like supermax prison mm-hmm. in Alabama. or isn't it in Alabama? Because, Somewhere else in the state, yeah. Yeah, and he's going to, so he's hitching a ride to fly to Alabama. But then they also have to stop in, isn't it, Carson City to pick up some more prisoners that'll be taken. But all of these prisoners are almost the the worst of the worst, or okay. a good portion of them. So logistically, they're flying him, or they're flying them from a place in California to another place in California. Yes. So that, and Nick Cage, who is being released at the end of the flight, can then take a passenger flight to Alabama with his wife and daughter, who have traveled to that location of where he's going to be released. Because, like, that is that the correct logistics? Because Th- that you probably, I think, put more <laughs> logistics into it than I think they even thought through. Well, no, because no. if. If he's flying, if he's flying home to Alabama, how do they get? And they're on California, or they're in California. How do they get the wife and daughter there quick enough? Like, you know what I'm saying? The wife yeah. and daughter eventually 
Uh, were they waiting at the the airport that they were releasing him at? Is the question. Yeah, that no, that is especially going on. That is really interesting because they need to refuel the plane. Yeah. So and then, yeah. They're able yeah. to get to Las Vegas uh, by the time. I'm sorry, well, am I yeah. putting plot holes in this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Too many plot holes too early on. It's yeah. it also. Um, you still also, haven't gotten I mean, past like, the intro. You're just gonna white, white with you know, because Craig points out all the plot holes too. Um, <laughs> so this, this is going to take a real long time to get through. It's an action movie, people. We're going to have to skip over some plot holes. There's always going to be, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's always going to be like uh, too many to 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 knock off all of them. Um, uh, okay, but, but I mean, it is it is a real thing. Like the there is a, like a prison transport plane. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they it just they don't look like this. Like, um, <laughs> oh, you mean the exterior is not a small C one twenty three? Uh, what was it? Um, a, a Fairchild C one twenty three provider, but with the interior of a Boeing seven thirty seven. Yeah. Uh, no, that 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 is <laughs> correct. They were just Boeing seven seven thirty sevens. It's what the plane, the prisoner transport planes were. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> so we we so they get on there. Um, we'll move to just one more derailment. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they spend the first five minutes of this movie setting up him going to jail. Then over the credits and like the quick early montage, that's another five ten minutes. And then they put him on this plane, uh, or they like set up the plot where they're putting him on the plane, the prisoner transport plane. And then do another info dump on all the yes. the like crazy criminals that they're throwing on this plane in like a like a Ocean's Eleven style uh, Johnny Hotcakes over there and yeah. uh, Wheels McGee and Diamond Dog and it's just like I when think- is this movie starting? Yeah. <laughs> no, I actually like. Um, I think. Uh- this is part of the reason I enjoy the film. I think, um, like it, it's it's real, it's real comic booky, mm. and like you know, it, it's like the it's like kind of like the anti Christopher Nolan. Like often, like uh, you know, when people are reviewing Christopher Nolan films, they often credit him for like not hand holding the audience. Or this mm. is this this is the absolute opposite of that. It's <laughs> yeah. like. We are going to like because the thing about this movie, and I think the reason they have to do this is because the movie essentially has no plot. It's just like we're we're just going to like after this point, we're just going to get to like a series of action set pieces, and we're we're that's all we're going to care about. So you need to get all the information of what is happening and what the stakes are right away. So we are going to give you all that. We're going to give you your hero. We're going to explain why he's a badass hero. We're going to give you your villains. We're going to explain why these are the the evilest, you know, they are like the Avengers assemble of villains. And uh, we're going to give you exactly the stakes of like, yeah, none of these, you know, the planes are completely safe. None of them have been taken over. I'm sure not everything will go without a hitch, as John Cusack's character says. And it's like, I know exactly what this movie is. And that is fine. Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then we even get the, 
you know, he's a man of honor. So, and his friend is diabetic, wink, wink, hasn't had his shot yet. So that's why he isn't going to get off the plane when he can multiple oh, yeah. times. They don't bring up the diabetes until he's on the plane. Yeah. Also, they don't like. They bring they, they bring up the diabetes on the bus. He says, I have diabetes uh, oh, yeah. on the bus. That's right. He says, yeah, when will I get my shot or something? So in did, first, and he didn't get his the previous night. So it's like, yeah. What in, kind in of these first kind of in this, these first kind of like fifteen minutes or so, the film is giving you all of the information Everything. you need because this this is all all the things you need to know because you need to know very little. But like, <laughs> you just you because, need to know that that transporter chief Miles O'Brien has a nice like sixties Corvette, yeah, and hates John Cusack, yes, uh, and that yes. he's willing to. John Cusack is by the book, and that's why it's worked so well, but. Um, yeah, the DEA agent O'Brien doesn't want to play by that book, and so he puts that. Oh, the other thing he puts just to, just to be uh, clear, his DEA his actual name is Duncan Malloy. Okay, <laughs> okay, yeah, yep, that. and then um, what he because they have a an undercover agent basically going in. Yeah. And so oh, he, I forgot he, about that. Then he yes. gives the agent. No, he dies so early on. Also, yeah, he, we should what was mention, the point of that? He gives no, him a I, gun. I, I don't know what yeah. the point of that is, but like it does, it does become a great part of like O'Brien, uh, you know, O'Brien, uh, Malloy, <laughs> Malloy uh, and Vince Larkin's kind of banter back and forth because like, I, I again, um, so, some I, I really like some of the dialogue in this movie. And yeah. uh, one of the funniest exchanges is um, when uh, John Cusack ex- is explaining the definition of garrulous. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and Malloy goes, hey, what's with dictionary boy uh, back there? And then Cusack fires back with, uh, well, actually, Theosaurus boy would be more appropriate. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was a good one um while we have a lull i just so watching this movie like front to back for the first time i uh, and analyzing it i was like so this is die hard mixed with a buddy cop comedy action film in a plane um am i wrong like 90s action movies are all die hard um like (laughs) i mean they're not all die hard but like a lot of them are uh you know die hard was the like most influential film for the 90 I know Die Hard came out in 1988, but it was the most right. influential film from the 90s. Many uh films from Under Siege and Sudden Death and uh, so many others uh took the essential Die Hard template, even executive decision to an extent is Die Hard on the Plane. And, and so we, we have various Die Hards in various places. However, and I was going to bring this up later, but since you brought up the Die Hard template, mm. it is Die Hard, but it's also under siege because this film is is like a Steven Seagal film, and <laughs> it's partly because of the information dumps. Um, it's partly because the villain is is the most charismatic thing yeah. in the movie. It's the best thing in the movie like with most Steven Seagal films. And it is because, uh, unlike John McClane and unlike some of Nicolas Cage's other action movies, 
where he is the everyman action hero. Cameron Poe is a Steven Seagal character. He's a superhero. He is invincible. He is always the smartest man in the room. And he is always the most badass man in the room. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. So this is Nick Cage's Steven Seagal film. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll be the one to move us forward. <laughs> um, so then basically what happens is all the baddies get on the plane and we learn about Cyrus the virus and what Diamond Dog and um Johnny Twenty Three. Yeah, Johnny Twenty Three, who should have been called apparently Johnny Six Hundred, but oh. doesn't have his. But I do like with um what hit when Cyrus and him are talking and they're speaking Spanish and you know Johnny Twenty Three, who's played by Danny Trejo, um nice. is bragging about it and he's like, I despise. I despise rapists. I find them what somewhere between a cockroach and that crust on your the white stuff, that white crust on your mouth that you oh, get yeah. in the morning. But for today, I'll say, you know, like for today, I'll be okay with you. But there's so many like moments, and that's what I, I think I liked with Malkovich this time, where because normally he'll go when he can chew up the scenery a lot. But with this one, he's him and Buscemi, who's also a serial killer, like play it the most straight and just nuanced. And it just works. So, so good. Yeah. Compared to everybody else who's just these big characters. I was like, my note was John Malkovich is great at like a menacing intelligence. Yeah. And then laughed that Steve Buscemi is Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Yes. Steve Buscemi is 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 very much Hannibal Lecter. Like, I, uh, and also, I, I my uh, my note later on is, God damn it, Steve Buscemi is utilized perfectly in this movie. Yeah, well, and and it's weird that I I think it works so well, especially with the co- comedy maybe of it or the irony, is that like he's almost the played off as the straight man or like the normal one out of all of it. You're like, mm-hmm. how is this one that talks about wearing a girl's head? <laughs> the most regular guy on this in this whole thing <laughs> it's my daughter's birthday yeah i think this is kind of what makes the film um unusual because obviously uh, a lot of this cast weren't used to being in action movies necessarily mm. um mm. obviously nick cage had been in the rock uh before this uh, but hadn't been in much action movies before this and really? then like John Malkovich had been the villain in in the line of fire, but that's pretty much only his only action movie before this. Uh, Steve Buscemi not in action movies. Um, I mean, obviously, kind of thrillers and stuff like you know Reservoir Dogs and um, Fargo, but like not not like an action movie. And um, and even like behind the camera, this is Simon West directorial debut and I, I recently listened to an interview with simon west and he hadn't done any action before this like his background was um a music mixture videos, of right? music videos and and commercials um he uh at, apparently at this time it, it wasn't like a big deal that he had a uh, directed the rick astley music video and never gonna give you up <laughs> because this is pre-rick roll um which right. 
which people under the age of 30 might not know what that is. Um, but it's, yeah, uh, it's a thing where people would like send people videos and it, it would look like one thing and then you'd open it up and it'd be, it'd be never going to give you up by Rick Astley. Yeah. So um, it was originally uh, made popular by the Grand Theft Auto 4 trailer in 2006. Uh, Rockstar oh, servers yeah. couldn't handle the uh, bandwidth that everyone was trying to watch at the same time. So they just linked it to the Rick Astley video and it became a widespread meme versus just like i think it was like a 4chan meme before that yeah 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 I mean, it went kind of viral after that yeah um but uh yeah so he directed a bunch of commercials um including the budweiser frog commercial you know Bud. like um so like Bud. apparently mainly Bud. comedy commercials and he was kind of fed up of comedy because he was always directing kind of comedic commercials and he wanted to do something different. So he ended up directing this. And apparently he hadn't been an action movie watcher. You know, it's not something, uh, type of cinema you watch. So he kind of mugged up on action films. I presume like Jerry Bruckheimer just gave him a big batch of VHSs of like Jerry Bruckheimer productions yeah. <laughs> of like just a variety of of Tony Scott films and um, the, the couple of Michael Bay films they produced by that stage. Uh, and even Scott Rosenberg as well. Scott Rosenberg before this had like two credits. Um, his first screenwriting credit was uh, Things to Do in Denver When You're Dead. Uh, and then his second one was the, the Ted Demi comedy drama, Beautiful Girls. So it, it, it does seem like a movie made by people kind of learning the ropes of action movies. And I think that's kind of the genius of the movie of just being like, oh, we've, we've, just, we've just learned the rules of action movies. So we're going to put all of those tropes up on screen and do them to maximum effect. And I think I think yeah. it really works. It's, it's it's so entertaining because of that. Yeah. Um, continuing on that, I, I think he was a good choice for this because uh, you mentioned the the Budweiser um, frog commercial. Yeah. Like he's very good at like establishing shots and like keeping, uh, just like cinematography wise, it's he he's very good at um, in this movie, especially like. Because this is essentially it's a submarine it's a submarine movie for half of it because uh, you're on you're on a plane there's only so much like movement you can have yet the plane feels fifty times larger than it should feel mm-hmm. and like there's a lot of of sense of space as as everyone interacts throughout throughout the film and yet it's still like very like you understand that there's three sections and uh the the cockpits x amount of distance from from everyone and it's he does a really good job of just establishing making things feel bigger yet still having a realistic sense of size even though i made the joke that it's a 737 inside and a tiny plane on the outside (laughs) well apparently um he even this is a funny thing simon west said in, in the interview that i watched that he wanted to make the movie timeless which it's not because it's like super nineties, but yeah. like he made <laughs> yeah, certain stylistic, he made certain stylistic decisions that he thought would would make it kind of timeless. 
-hmm. and those things were like the plane was an example of that of like oh we're going to make it this kind of old batter kind of 1950s looking plane instead of the boeing 737 that um the prison transport system actually uses and then he was like our the police cars in the movies are from the 80s not the the kind of present day then present day police cars um and stuff stuff like that um so 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 yeah that's where that comes from that's where that decision comes from because like simon west wanted to give it a more kind of timeless feel like the only the only staff who i saw um like continuity wise uh i mean not obviously the the cg was takes it away the timelessness away because it's not great it's not it's not terrible but it's not great um but the uh when they're when he's crash landing in vegas um which i know is way 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 down from here but uh i noticed the riviera uh hotel was on both sides of the plane as they they did a shot from from like far away and from the cockpit and i was just like oh that takes me out of it can't 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 really believe that this plane lands on the strip if there's two 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 uh rivieras and uh you know uh just 15 hooters that you pass by as you're landing this plane yeah sorry i I think (laughs) i think what in the end makes it super 90s is is really the is the Bruckheimer production sheen. It looks very much like a 90s film. You can tell immediately of being like, it's. it has the color palette of a 90s action movie that tends mm-hmm. to be those kind of uh, in-your-face, bright, oversaturated colors that I actually in, enjoy more than a lot of doer colors that you would get in kind of 2000s action. Um, thankfully, uh, you know, with uh, more recent developments in in action movies, um, uh, we're getting kind of color back. So that's I think that's kind of fun. But uh, that's again uh, derailing myself now. Uh, and the other thing is like it very much has a tone of an action movie uh, from the nineties. In the two thousands, again things would get a bit more doer and kind of full gritty. Uh, so that's kind of the things I think in people's mind really mark it out as like, oh, this is a 90s action movie. This is what a 90s action movie looks like, feels like. Are we just going to leave that okay. in there? Yeah. I thought you so, might respond to that, but it's okay. No. <laughs> okay. I'll edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> so... <laughs> Okay, I will. I will be the. I guess I'm holding on. Okay, ready. Oh no, I'll do. I'll do. I'll do a transition. Well, yeah. that was that was so good that I don't think I have a response to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, we are, yeah, we are still at the part before the riot starts. Um, I'm going to keep that in there. I'm going to yeah. like, you know, I, I, you know, you think you make a good point and it just, it's like a fart in a space suit. And so like, no, anyway, I, let's move that on. Was, that was a fantastic point. It was yeah. so, and it's so thorough that neither of us had like any contradiction or like yeah. anything to elaborate on. 
which yeah, is I, I thought we would just go back to talking about the movie. Yeah, no, I yeah, I agree with Brandon. <laughs> I was just oh, yeah, I mean the, okay, you know, cool. We'll the go end on. all be all. Yeah, okay. So so this is where we get Dave Chappelle, who is just there for basically to make one-liners, and apparently he thinks he knows Poe, and then is just kind of goes oh never mind i don't i don't know it's just it's this weird line that doesn't even really work because it doesn't fit even later but he's sitting next to my um native american and he makes some jokes about that he's just there for the jokes but um yeah apparently all of chappelle's (laughs) lines were improvised it feels that way (laughs) it's just him riffing yeah that makes sense and so they start off and the plane's going. And then we see that both what Diamond Dog and Cyrus have little pieces of metal in their hand, like little pins. And they are slowly pulling them out to unlock themselves. And then um, Dave Chappelle, I forgot even his name now, his character's name. Pinball. Pinball. Yes. Pinball Parker. Um, he pulls a vi- like vial of of something i think it's not gas it's i don't know but it's he pulls it out of his mouth and then he says that's that was kerosene wasn't it yeah i think so and he i forgot the the exact quote but he's like hopefully at the end you'll or if you survive this no hard feelings he pours it all on the person next to him and lights it and you know the guy goes on fire and that's when they all start to basically escape and kill some of the guards. And they start fire, even though there's a fire on this plane and they're firing guns. <laughs> and like, oh, that's probably not safe to do on a plane. But yeah, and they take over. And that's where John Malkovich gets to say, Welcome to Con Air. <laughs> and everybody is... claps because that's what people do when somebody in the movie says the title of the movie <laughs> and then cage just has a bunch of looks at that time that are like oh no what do i what did i get myself into and that's pretty much what a lot of his looks are <laughs> for yeah. Mal- anytime malkovich talks like uh oh, what is going on i think um <laughs> Like on Dave Chappelle, like kind of fast forward just a little bit. Uh, I think his finest moment is when they're looking for the the prisoners to drop off in Carson City, Benson, Carl, and Popovich. And then he was like, uh, you know, kind of good news, bad news situation. I found Benson, Carl, and Popovich. I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, Malkovich is like, yeah, yeah, what's the bad news? And um, it's like, here's Benson, here's Carl's, and here's Popovich, and like, they're all dead. Yeah. <laughs> I always enjoy that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, he had some line about um, the one, the one that they uh, gagged and bagged. Um, that prisoner, like the the main guard, called him a white supremacist or an Aryan. Aryan yeah, yeah, he has some like Nazi tattoos and stuff like that. And he's oh, I didn't notice that. That makes more sense because yeah. uh, Chappelle has the same like comment. He's like this this Aryan motherfucker right here uh, is whatever one the third one, second one on the yeah, list. Yeah, it was the second one because the yeah. 
the one that got shot in the chest, then the one that was bagged was the second one. Mm. Yeah. And then Popovich or whatever was the one that they were dragging in. That's right. Who was also, yeah. Yeah, that, that's right. So it's Carl's. Um, yeah. And Which I, they were just there to be bodies and progress the plot further. They didn't really do much. Um, yeah. I think also... Uh, some of the some of the the lines in this movie are kind of like majestically dumb, in mm-hmm. in a way that really entertains me, mm-hmm. like because they're basically we'll we'll just call them by the actors' names because it's it's less confusing. Yeah. So basically, Ving Rhames gives a speech about like you know what's going to happen when they're free and you know they're going to go to a tropical island and like there's you know all these things all these great things are. Are going to they're going to happen and they're going to be great having fun times free and um basically uh nick cage's character he initially decides to be dropped off at carson city as one of the kind of prisoners pretending to be benson's carl and popovich but then he changes his mind and then when ving rames asks him why he changed his mind he says oh i just couldn't stand the thought of Missing out on naked party freaks and umbrella drinks, yeah. <laughs> uh, and but and that that convinces them, and that's that's great. Yeah, for somebody that has two doctorates, <laughs> he's convinced <laughs> so easily by, and actually, yeah, most of the time and up until the end is buddy buddy with Nick Cage. <laughs> like, Oh Even yeah, though, that, that's yeah. right. He doesn't realize Nick Cage is the rat until very just at the finale kind of thing. Yeah. I I also think because like um Nick Cage is doing a slightly comedy southern accent, it makes everything yeah. funnier as well. It's <laughs> like I can't stand missing out on naked party freaks and and on umbrella drinks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any other movie, people would be like, "Oh, it's that guy. He's the rat. Get him." Yeah. <laughs> That'd be it. Uh, oh yeah, Cameron Poe would have been killed like early on, and uh, in a lot of other films, but not this film. Yeah. And so they they kill what one of the pilots. They fly into Carson City, and that's where they pick up the other ones, and they pick up um, the was it Colombian drug lord who is supposed to be a big part of the movie or they keep talking about but doesn't really oh before that the DEA agent <laughs> pulls out another gun and gets himself killed and yeah. so the prisoner oh, yeah, he, he, yeah, well, he's so easy to forget he's uh, yeah. like um yeah they also don't explain while he's on there like I assume it has to do with the Colombian cartel guy yeah. they want him on the plane they yeah they say very quickly that we have you yeah seated next to the yeah the Colombian cartel guy Got and it. you're going to get we just need you him to confess or something to whatever and that's it like that's all we know and then we know that Malkovich and oh. the cartel guy are in cahoots with each other of like flying to mexico but wait so so i must have missed this and i was watching the whole time uh (laughs) the the dea agent that got killed he was supposed to was he wearing he was wearing was he wearing like that recording device that was found on the guard okay 
Yeah, I, I was like, it. where did that come from? Yeah. Like, I knew Nick Cage planted it on him, but I did not know how where that tape yeah. came from. Yeah, yeah, all... no, no, it was from the DA yeah. agent. It was supposed yeah, to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're all throwaway lines, even though they seem like they're supposed to be important to the plot. Uh, point. Must yeah, they're, they're not something. important at all. Like the characters, like that whole plot line, that whole plot line of like trying to capture Sandino. And like um, Sandino being the the master mind behind this whole operation, like it's not important at all. He he barely features as a character. He's just occasionally yeah. told like where they're going, um, and then yeah, he's he's just and and then he he appears in like three scenes, and like each of those scenes, he's like not an essential part of the scene. He's just being told something, and then he kind of nods and being like, "Yeah, it's okay, cool." He's yeah. a plot device. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah, they end up in Carson City. They pick up their yeah some more prisoners. They drop off the ones who have been gagged, and the guards think nothing of it and just take them on board. And but one of the prisoners is kind of what he makes the isn't this where they say he makes the Manson family look like the Partridge family, or he's a serial <laughs> yeah. killer, basically a Hannibal Lecter um because he's in that the get up and everybody knows who he is they you know i guess among criminals they all know each other <laughs> was he the was he the one where it was like um his girlfriend cheated on him and mm-hmm. instead of uh doing something to her he drove 2 hours to her family's place and killed all of them no that was the what billy or the one who um oh, like- gets killed in the because he or they put the bunny in, back in the box. Gotcha. Yeah, that's the right. Billy Bedlam character. Gotcha. But Shemi was is just the serial killer who, what, I think, had thirty victims. Or yeah, had... he's, he's killed thirty people apparently. Yeah, according War to wore a little girl as a hat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but surprisingly, one of the nicest ones in there in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um. So they pick it up, and then one of the guys almost blows it, saying. Oh, we took or the prisoners took over, and they're telling them to shush. Um, but they put the tracking device on the plane on a different plane, and that's what Chappelle is doing. And then oh, he's caught by another pilot and starts flirting with her, which then leaves him when the plane starts taking off. He's chasing after it, and the guy who he burnt sees him. He's saying, or like trying to get his attention and the guy just kind of laughs and that's when we see that's the last we see Chappelle alive or pinball <laughs> but yes. he because he tries to jump in the plane and yeah <laughs> and well yeah he flips off the guy and then it seems like he kind of trips and then like it's kind of taken under the tires basically yeah but yeah so then or well, yeah, so they find the recording device that Poe put now and um, what now they know that the prisoners kind of took over and John Cusack is trying to figure it out and Malloy is, just wants to basically shoot it down. And this is where they butt heads a lot. Uh, most of their conversation from here on out is them going back and forth between no, don't shoot down the plane. There are innocent people or just shoot down the plane is all they do. And, but Malloy and the, was it um, Larkin or John Cusack's kind of superior head out 
to track the plane, which they're following basically this little what tour, private tour thing yeah. of um, heading into Arizona while like old yeah. people. Yeah. While the plane itself is heading to an uh, airstrip that's kind of in the middle of nowhere where they're supposed to meet yeah. uh, with the cartel. Yeah. Uh, there's there's a kind of a couple of things that kind of happen in that period that I, I kind of want to mention. I think um, of all of Nick Cage's fun lines that he gets in this movie, and he gets a few, uh, I think his most fun line is when he is talking to his friend, uh, Baby O, and he is saying, like, um, you know, for some reason, he managed to get every creep and freak on this one plane and then they managed to, to somehow <laughs> get them in control of the you know in control of the plane and he goes on this monologue and then he realizes garland uh, which is a steve buscemi character um is sitting kind of in the row next to him and he just it's the way he kind of just kind of after giving this long monologue about all the creeps and freaks and stuff and then kind of just turns around and goes Hi, Garland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also, another line that pops up is when, um, yeah, Ving Rame, or well, Diamond Dog, comes at him and goes, Oh, hee haw, cow, or hillbilly. And then <laughs> Nick Cage responds with, What was I thinking about? Oh, yeah, hee haw. <laughs> he, like, he continues on with his conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oh, that, that's so entertaining. And the other thing I wanted to mention is something that you you were you were talking about, um, like uh, before we start recording about the kind of morality of the film and like what is the morality yes. of the film. And I think so. The film had a lot of rewrites, and uh, the scene where Malloy and Larkin are bickering, and then Larkin. Uh, quotes Dostoevsky and says, "You know, you you know, you can see the measure of a population by by its prisoners. You know, kind of saying like, um, you know, where you know the society kind of failing people. You know, that that's you know that's kind of um, the kind of implication there. But that was uh, that was improvised by 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 Cusack wanted to oh, put wow. that in there." Okay. Uh, so like while that seems like the kind of heart of the morality of the movie it's not it's just like a cusack riff okay yeah. that's why yeah because as you were mentioning we talked about before but i know you said you wanted to wait to talk further but yeah because it feels like it has these little nuggets of things like that throughout but then it plays basically in the opposite direction where really poe or baby o or like Poe is the only one that can really be reformed or baby O because he found God or yeah. weirdly Garland by the end you're kind of like so is he this guy that's a serial killer like he's, he's good Garland's now. a very strange <laughs> yeah. character yeah, yeah like I don't it's never kind of kind of put forth how we're supposed to respond to this character because it's like okay so you know, when you're watching like a Hannibal Lecter character, while you're mm -hmm. always having fun with a Hannibal Lecter character, at the same time, there is that kind of 
scary aspect to him of like, oh, there's always the turn kind of thing. Whereas there's no, there's no turn, like there's no kind of underlying thing of like this being like a scary psychopathic character. He just seems like a fun character. Yeah. And you just well, kind even, of like, uh, that reads weird. Well, even Hannibal Lecter, <clears throat> it's like with him, he he specifically targets, it seems like, people that, you know, were bad in a way, you know, were not the greatest, you know, he specifically targets like higher, um, higher class or whatever it may be. I think why people kind of will root for him occasionally. But yeah, with Garland, I agree. You're just kind of saying that. Yeah, but you always always get the impression of him being an an essentially evil character, which you don't get with Garland, which is what makes Garland such a kind of weird character and such a kind of like odd thing in the movie of like you you genuinely don't know how to respond to this character because you're told a lot of facts a lot of terrible facts about garland and you even hear garland himself say some terrible facts about himself but you never get the impression of evil yeah which is odd because you're like oh this character clearly is evil yeah yeah i i I thought it was interesting his character because they they essentially like they they make him into a wild card like he can go off at any time but then they subvert your expectations by not using him in that manner yeah i mean it's an interesting play for sure like it's uh i mean it's an interesting character i think like steve buscemi is one of the most fun aspects of the movie and gets some of the best lines in the movie Yeah, I mean, any his you know, speaking of kind of philosophical commentary, him throughout just he's just saying in that chair, he's you know, um, Poe or well, Cage says that he's insane, and he's like, oh, well, what is insanity? Some people might assume that it's 50 years working nine to five until you know, and he's mm. going off on that. And, yeah, he, he has some fun, kind of little, little monologues. Um, uh, I, I think he he had a similar intelligence menacing intelligence to John Malkovich's character. So and just knowing that he has the ability to go off at any moment really added tension to every scene he was in. Yeah. Especially when he was by himself with the little girl. Um well they but, make it feel like he's gonna there's even that shot afterwards where you're like, Oh, did he do something to that little girl? And then, mm-hmm. you know, you see her waving or whatever's the plane's taken off. But yeah. So. And he has the creepy doll. Yeah, yeah. Because that is that is a really, wow. I mean, I know it's later in the movie, but like that is a really weird scene. And the fact that, like, I mean, in some ways, it's kind of completely out of place in the movie, you know, because it's like it does this weird kind of, you know, you get these weird POV shots of like this kind of killer vision. It's it's all it the film becomes kind of woozy, like suddenly it's natural born killers, you know, like it's just yeah. it's just it, kind of like this it 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 it's weird that it kind of works. It weird it's weird that you kind of go with it because like essentially it doesn't fit in there at all. But, and it kind of feels like watching it this time, I know it doesn't because you see the girl again. But watching it and thinking, what's this little girl doing hanging out near this junkyard, all this stuff, 
And um, but then you also think, is this a hallucination? Is that is that what they're trying? For some reason, <clears throat> I never thought of it that way until watching it this time. Mm. Yeah, I picked up on that one. Yeah. Um, I I, I don't know. I think it it adds tension in a part of the movie where they're stuck uh, until the until the army or DEA or whoever was in the SWAT, I guess. Uh, arrives um like there because there's no there's not much tension at that part because nick cage is off on his own and uh malkovich trusts trusts him um the they're just like digging the plane out and um it's it's like you need you needed uh buscemi going off and like finding a little girl and having tea with her to add yeah. some, some tension to that before before the the cops arrive and then everything goes I mean, down. I suppose like you could get, but I, I mean, it, it's just such an oddball scene. Like I think like in, in a more traditional action movie, you would have just got the tension from, you know, uh, John Cusack doing his Sam Fisher impersonation and, and creeping around the, the boneyard kind of thing, you know, the junkyard. Yeah. But- so i will say to i guess to jump us up until that up to that point oh wait before before we do that then uh they dropped dave Chappelle from the plane yes um unless you were about to say that i don't want to step on your toes no that works perfect i was just going to because we're talking about the boneyard i was going to provide all that okay before they got to the boneyard uh they find dave Chappelle stuck in the landing gear uh they were losing fuel so they had to refuel um so they fly towards the boneyard and whatever and uh uh, nick cage writes on dave Chappelle and sharpie uh to get um john cusack's marshal over to where they were landing and uh they drop they drop dave Chappelle from the plane dave Chappelle falls on the car of general george hammond from stargate played by don s davis uh also of of twin peaks fame and yeah, that's that that's right. the only reason that I wanted to include that because it was Don S. Davis, and I was like, "Hey, I know that guy." <laughs> and then that was the put the bunny back in the box scene too, wasn't it? Or no? A little bit late. It's yeah, bit later. Same right a- same after. area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, it's the same, but yeah, because yeah, all of that happens, and then during that same time, John Cusack meets Poe's wife and daughter, and then he finds out where yeah he finds out where they're going so he steals malloy's really nice car which isn't just beautiful because i'll go back we didn't get to say it newborn babies are beautiful sunsets are beautiful that car is fucking spectacular (laughs) Um, but yeah cusack steals the car and drives out there to kind of stop them yeah then also because like i I just want to quickly mention it as well since we're at that point um like part of the reason that i really dig this film and i've always loved this film is as you know craig we've talked about this before i i i like a lot of movies that work as action movies but also work as parodies of action movies yes and um so like i said you know you get you've got all these people who seem to be like learning the rules of of action movies which which i think is interesting and i think actually 
like Simon West becomes a less interesting filmmaker. So apologies to Simon West, but like becomes like a less interesting filmmaker in some ways once he's kind of learnt the rules of action movies. And like some of his films are more kind of like standard kind of action movies. But this is like eccentric because they're kind of learning the ropes of it. And also, like when Kuzak's talking to, to Nick Cage's character's wife, um, like everything emotional in this film like doesn't work because it's too hammy and over the top but it's still entertaining and also like everything is so amusingly on the nose like all of the music cues in this film are like so telling you what you should feel at any given moment like because you know there is like a really sentimental music cue Pretty much any time Nick Cage's uh, uh, like uh, like Cameron Poe's wife comes on screen, and there is like you know Cyrus the Virus has his own specific villain music cue. Uh, you know Cameron Poe has like a kind of superhero music cue when he's doing badass stuff. It's it's I, I but it, it really entertains me. I'm not I'm not shitting on uh, Trevor Rabin's uh, score of this movie. It just really entertains me just how on the nose every emotion is yeah. in in the the score of this film. Definitely, yeah. You've done it again. You've perfectly I'm sorry. explained. I'm sorry. <laughs> you've perfectly explained yeah. with no room to expound upon. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've I've overexplained again. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. No, it's not again. Not a bad thing. You just there's like. That was the perfect, succinct way to put all of that. Yeah. Okay, so they go to this new landing strip because they're supposed to meet with, they're supposed to refuel and then also originally change planes. Mm-hmm. Um, and during this time, Buscemi meets a little girl. Poe goes off to find a needle because they have the insulin for his friend, Baby O, but yeah not a needle because I think it got broke and then they're digging out the plane they see that the police are coming and then Poe also runs into he finds one of these what all the, the cartel members mm, and then the him and yeah and Cusack and they but they beat them all up and then um Cusack wants to get them to work with him but he says he only trusts two men and one of them isn't him. Or one of them's me and the other one isn't you. And um, it isn't until Cusack says, well, I got to see your wife and kid. And so he kind of learns that Poe is good. And the only reason why he didn't get off the plane was because he d- won't leave a man behind. Yeah. And yeah, so the and prisoners... Also, we should yeah. mention, because <laughs> like, there's so many lines in this movie that are are clearly trying to be like great action one-liners or just like just your stereotypical action lines. And one of them is right here when John Cusack says, what you going to do? And Nick Cage <laughs> turns around and goes, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to save the fucking day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Which is one of those things It's like, yeah, people don't say that in real life, but people always say that in action movies. <laughs> yeah. And then cut to Steve Buscemi being saw, or singing, he's got the whole world in yeah. his hands with a little girl. Yes. 
and so they're trying to dig it out but um oh this is when cyrus also finds um the body of um when they're grabbing the guns and everything out of the bottom of the the plane he finds the body of was it billy the mass murderer or whoever who killed who um the crazy killer yeah yeah what's his name but he doesn't even say anything and yeah he also kind of sides with poe again on certain things when um they're going to execute some of the prisoners i don't know there's a bunch of times where poe stops something bad from happening and cyrus agrees <laughs> and then, yeah and, i also yeah. like when he stops um uh when he stops ving rooms uh from executing the police officers like mm-hmm. uh he kind of he, he gives this like real cheeky wink and it seems like it's like oh that's kind of winking directly at the audience kind of <laughs> yeah oh and during all this and the ambush they're setting up and everything else johnny or well i guess this is yeah we we can get into the ambush i guess but i know johnny oh, before, quickly before we get into yeah. the ambush like um we didn't mention uh, the actual fight scene uh with the you know put the put the bunny back in the box yes because yeah. they kind of crouch down you know, because yeah. they're in the fuselage, you know, whatever. So there's not a lot of room. So they kind of crouch down and then they run at each other. And um, this is just a very specific thing in my brain. But like the shot, because there's like these kind of weird kind of close-ups as they run to each other, it kind of cuts back and forth to these weird close-ups instead of like panning out to see them running at each other. Um, it really reminded me of, the, of, of like a similar shot um in bill and ted's bogus journey when all the yes. different characters are running at them in in the different rooms from hell it's, yeah it's, it's just a very similar shot and i was like oh yeah wonder if that inspired and probably not <laughs> no, no i i agree watching it well and then it does it because it's set up in a way where you know in a normal action movie they're running and it looks epic but there's just this kind of quirkiness to it because they're crouched so low and they're doing the yell like ah going yeah. at each other like you could you could do the Star Trek like fight music the dun 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 yeah dun, you totally dun, could dun, 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 <laughs> over it and it would fit perfectly. Uh, I wa- I wanted to point out that uh, a Fairchild C one twenty three provider, which is the exterior of the plane, uh-huh. uh, weighs uh, thirty thousand pounds or about th- uh, thirteen thousand six hundred kilograms uh 15 tons more or less and there was about i don't know (laughs) what eight uh convicts pulling it pulling it um i don't think it should have been able to move uh weighing that much even in stand that that is true (laughs) that is very Uh, how do you know all these plane facts uh i studied aerospace engineering in school oh wow but also google oh okay (laughs) <laughs> google and aerospace okay yeah. cool uh but i i if you would like later on i could do an in-depth diagram of how much force it would require to uh pull that on sand <laughs> that can be like a supplementary thing yeah for this episode yeah yeah <laughs> like, hopefully no well, one remembers i'll just quickly way. i'll just quickly uh rustle up a youtube page so you can uh you, you yeah. can do like a full like kind of tutorial <laughs> of like 
of like, this is how Connor got it wrong. <laughs> you can't do this with a plane. <laughs> you need way more people. If if all eight of them were the world's strongest men, you would still need a double the amount of people. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh dear. Yeah. All right. So. So the what is it? So the cops are coming. They decide that they're going to basically do where they'll blow up one of they're getting like propane tanks. They'll blow up the first car and the last car and get them in during the ambush. And um, yeah, what was the other series of thing, different kind of plots that are going on at that point? You have the ambush setting up. You have Poe trying to get the needle. You have Steve Buscemi with the little girl mm-hmm. and then John oh Cusack. and then johnny yeah the johnny 23 wants to be turn it to johnny 24 oh while while Gross. raping um bishop that, the guard wasn't that before that was before it's, the it's um during the oh it's during the ambush yeah during the ambush oh oh, oh and yeah. john cusack is trying to stop the other plane which oh, it, right. has um what um the what is the it? cartel yeah uh which led to my favorite uh john malkovich line because the the cartel guy tries to escape with them but then uh cusack drops the crane so that it, it breaks the plane and then it's like it runs into the the gas station uh, on site and uh the the cartel guy is like uh help me cyrus and cyrus is like uh or no he's he tries to say help me cyrus but he says help me sigh and then john malkovich finishes <laughs> it with onara and then shoots and then blows everything up yeah it's like okay <laughs> this 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 movie doesn't know what it wants to be <laughs> uh great great action line great action line but also really really <laughs> Yeah. sayonara yeah uh, <laughs> that, that happened yeah uh talking about uh talking of uh, kind of cheesy action lines um like that obviously the king of cheesy action lines is arnie and we should have mentioned that the the female guard character sally bishop is played by rachel tickerton um who played um arnie's love interest in total recall Mm-hmm. really yeah i i mean she looks familiar i didn't know that was why huh yeah that's why she looks so familiar that's awesome and she is basically just handcuffed the entire <laughs> yeah she's really not utilized she, she has a much yeah. uh, i'm sure she probably talks about total recall much more because she has much much more to do in that movie being yeah, a like, martian freedom fighter and all like like every woman in this movie yeah she was there to advance the plot yeah well yes. even uh, uh the women or, or in this to... movie get almost no screen time and even when they do get screen time uh they're they're not saying much they're not given many lines yeah. Yeah. they're not given anything to do um yes or, or to make nick cage cameron poe sound like a good character yeah <laughs> well yes. even so watching it this time i was like oh it might have been even more th- this is a bad way to think about but the wife being in the middle not really the only thing she does is say tell him to come home or whatever talk to cusack 
um, which I guess gets Cusack to kind of um, get under Poe's surface and have them team up. But I, as a part of, well, you could have just had her be at the beginning and then be at the very end and him like see, you know, not seeing them until the very end. Mm-hmm. And like it Saves wouldn't have money. made a difference. <laughs> yeah, it would have made no material difference to the plot. Yeah. I mean, like, because Larkin already seemed, um, you know, John Cusack's character already seemed on, like, uh, you know, Nick Cage's side. So, like, uh, you know, when he was, you know, telling Molly about, like, oh, what a, what a good guy he was. And, you know, these things could have happened to any one of us. So, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, there was no real reason to have have her around, you know. And 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 if you are going to have her around, then you know you could give her a little bit more to do other than kind of looking worried. Um, yeah, but she's not even that. It's like she's worried, but then also, you know, your husband's on a plane full of horrible criminals who are fighting the police. She's like, just tell him to come home. That's like her line. <laughs> yeah (laughs) so yeah big old shootout happens and they with it so cusack he is able to basically what he commandeers a um, construction truck like a bulldozer and then saves some of the cops poe is able to find the needle and steals a um a police cruiser, which then he drives nearby, and then he ropes up, re-ropes up the plane, and then just in enough time to stop Johnny Twenty Three from you know, raping Bishop. They also get in a nice drugs are bad, okay? Yeah, <laughs> uh, from the random dude that was hiding under a truck that Nicholas Cage rolled under. Yeah. Oh yeah, and he says, "Can I have? Do you know where I could find the needle?" And that's yeah. I do. I do. This is probably one of the things I don't like about the film, in the sense that like a lot of ninety action movies do this. They, you know, like um, they kind of cheaply use rape or the threat of rape as like mm-hmm. a kind of added spice to add some extra attention ch- but like yeah I, I don't know like it just it's just one of those things where it just feels very kind of thrown out there yeah just for the sake of it also that's danny trejo's entire character yeah yes that is true that is true he's, he's a rapist and he's always thinking about raping that's that's his whole shtick in the film which is yeah. mm. It's kind of um, yeah. It's just uncomfortable. Like I just yeah. It's it's part of the movie. I I love Danny Trio, but it's it's a part of the movie. I'm just like, yeah. Does this really need to be here? It just yeah. seems like it's just being thrown out there just for a bit kind of cheap shock value. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and just to show, Poe is even more of a hero. I, I give mm-hmm. him another moment, even though he's already saving his pr- prisoner friend. It's like and, another and, moment of him. Yeah. yeah. And. And uh, the guard, guard woman, yeah. or Sally Bishop, has already called him a really good man. So it's yeah. like she doesn't need to say it a second time. Yeah, <laughs> but he anyway, has more chemistry. Home with, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I will say he has more chemistry with her than he does with his own wife. <laughs> that yeah, that's true. That yeah, is true. <laughs> well, I mean, she kisses him. So yeah, <laughs> uh, 
um yeah uh i didn't know most of leonard skinner died only to be replaced and still play music yeah oh you didn't know that Mm -mm. well that is no but like leonard skinner like plane crash i i I remember the uh who's the one that they sing about in american pie that's 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 the buddy uh, Buddy holly yeah it's buddy holly yeah 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 and then I remember the John Madden football team plane crash. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's my alma mater. Yeah. I wasn't alive at the time yeah. uh, or going to school there, but uh, those those are the plane crashes that I remember. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. A lot of point. I mean, and the Con of, Air plane crash. Yeah. 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 A, lot, a lot of plane <laughs> crashes. Um, yeah. Back then. A lot of. Well, crashes. I know that. Yeah. So this line is actually one I remember because I think it was in the trailer. And I mm-hmm. had some movies that had the trailer for Con Air, and it's when Steve Buscemi says, "Define irony." You know, um, now I can't even remember it word for word, but you know, a bunch of pres- or a bunch of people dancing to a song that was made famous by you know a band that died in a plane crash, and so that's it's one that sticks out almost more than a lot of the other parts in the actual movie, just because I remember hearing it so many times. When I'd watch other stuff and the trailer would pop up. <laughs> you almost got the verbatim. It's... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, that's, that's, I think that's just the line. Yeah. But a bunch of people on a plane dancing to a song made famous by a band who I mean, died in pain cash. Yeah. Uh, idiots. <laughs> idiots. Is yeah. A bunch of idiots. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but that, that, yeah, that was, that was the line. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we did it <laughs> and that's the episode that's why you should give us five stars on apple Podcasts, stitcher and spotify <laughs> yeah remember to share with your friends on facebook instagram and twitter we don't have an instagram but yeah facebook and twitter <laughs> but you could you could still screen grab the podcast that you're listening to put it on your instagram story tell them to to you can now on your instagram story add a link to this podcast so you just copy and paste it <laughs> throw it in the link have them click on it and then you know afterwards listen to name in 90s there you go excellent <laughs> excellent that's all our, we usually do the we usually do the plugs at the end of the episode but yeah. we'll just do the plugs here i just i felt i felt i did such a good job of explaining instagram stories to your listeners that i should just throw in a plug for myself there. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. No, that, 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 that was great. Good. I mean, I don't yeah. understand them. So, like, you, you've done a great job. You've done a great service on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, while we still have time, we should probably talk about the final. final. Yeah. <laughs> the finale of the film. Like, so, yeah. I love the finale of the film. The finale of the film is completely fucking insane. But, yes. you know, it's very in keeping with the, with the movie. And I love that, um, you know, they went back and forth on where they were going to crash this plane. Uh, there, there was a version of the script where it was going to uh, crash into the White House. Um, oh. You know, like, uh, but then the White House had just been blown up spectacularly in Independence Day. On, oh. on you know, so they were oh. like, ah, uh, you know, that's kind of we don't know if we can kind of kind of top that. Um, in terms of like the White House, uh, and then they were thinking about Las Vegas, and initially they weren't given permission, um, and they were like looking for a place that they could basically crash into, 
Um, and then, and then at the last minute, as they were, thought they were going to have to change plans, uh, the Sands Casino in in Las Vegas was going to be demolished. And then uh, they they kind of agreed that they could film this scene, uh, oh, wow. in you know, in the in the movie. So like that's. Which is pretty pretty spectacular, you know, because yeah. they crashed. Like, what for the listener? Let's just be very specific here. They crashed an actual plane into an actual casino. Yeah. In like, it's not CGI. <laughs> it's not fully CGI. <laughs> it's an actual plane into an actual casino. Um, spectacular. Yeah. And so I will, which I didn't know. Yeah, but. I will also quickly backtrack and say that Poe, so yeah, all of the helicopters are going to shoot it down. They listen to what Malloy wants to do it. Larkin says no, and they keep going back and forth. And But then Poe is able to, after he's found out, and his friend who he just saved with the insulin needle gets shot. <laughs> and then the whole, the line pops up where... He said, which I said in the beginning, I'm going to, his friend is talking about baby O. You know, well, I'm thinking now that I wasn't meant to survive this after, you know, and maybe God doesn't exist. He says, I'm going to show you God does exist. And he takes control of the plane by beating up everybody. And yeah, um, Cyrus gets knocked out. And that's how, so they crash oh. into Vegas because there's oh, already yeah. bullet holes or whatever. And um, we should probably point out uh, that the plane is being flown by MC Ganey, um, who also, like, you know, Nick Cage, like, there's several people in here who had a really good 1997. Nick Cage had an excellent 1997 because he had this in Face Off. John Cusack had an excellent 1997 because he had this in Ghost Point Blank. And MC Ganey had an excellent 1997 because he had this and he had breakdown. Um, where in this character, in this one, he's like a fun villain. In breakdown, he's obviously like top tier piece of shit. Yeah. Well, even in this one too, there's a point where he doesn't even seem as much of a villain. Like he's just following orders because when Poe comes in and tells him where to land, he's kind of like, okay, yeah, he's just following Poe. Po. Like, wait, but I don't know. Yeah, no, that's true. I think he's just like he he saw this as a route to escape. He likes flying and, and that's yeah. it. Like I don't think he's like really part of the evil plan. It's just yeah. he's just like, oh okay, somebody's gonna pay me to fly. I enjoy flying. Cool. Yeah. And also it'll mean I'm out of prison. Also, cool. <laughs> but if I don't get out of prison, uh oh well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it doesn't fine. seem to have any kind of great motivations. Um. Yeah, but it is. He also has a real fun moment as well, where he he's like, "No, we're not getting to the the air landing strip." And then he just puts on like this kind of military helmet and is like, "No, I'm going to crash this thing." Yeah. Um. So last time I was on the show, uh, I had a segment where I talked about how it's in uh how they in. What will we watch? Uh, Snake Pilskin 2. Um, Escape oh, yeah, from Escape LA. from LA. Yeah. Uh, how they paraglided from the Hollywood sign 
uh, all the way to Disneyland or their Disneyland knockoff. Uh, I I wanted to bring back that segment because uh, as as you said, the the plane crashed into the sands. Yes. Um, And that was practical. Just the part of the plane crashing into the building, the CG where they're flying down the strip to land. Uh, you see the stratosphere in most of the most of the shots, which is kind of off, like north north of the strip a little bit. It's still on that main road, but it's it's mm-hmm. not down where it is. So that makes sense. That makes sense. As the plane's coming down, you see the stratosphere behind it. Okay, uh, sure. comma. Then they clip their wing on the Hard Rock Hotel uh, and Casino, which is off strip to the east of the strip uh by uh, uh a fair amount of blocks of uh, f- five five city blocks uh three city blocks uh and then somehow uh they crash into the sands back by where it if you're familiar with las vegas the venetian is now where the sands was um which is essentially directly west from where the hard rock cafe is so they would have had to clip the hard rock sign then magically transport back up towards the stratosphere and come down the strip again to to crash into the sands and uh thank you for for joining me again on brandon's uh impossible uh flight paths of people in movies that we've watched for 90s all action (laughs) that's 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 excellent we we should have this as like a regular corner we should have like a conversation about like what cities you know the exact geography of and just be like always have you on films that you know the exact geography of that city i mean it's possible um, it'll, it'll just things. it'll just work itself out that way but okay. uh i'm, well, I'm, I mean, always, I'm always so far i'm always open for a segment like that uh, not not a problem <laughs> excellent I mean, I know you come from Seattle, so you must yes. know that pretty well. So, like, if we have any Dante's Seattle-based Peak. action movies, um, yeah, which they're not, there are not a lot of. No, that's true. <laughs> uh, but if you're doing disaster movies, I believe Dante's Peak is set in Seattle or Washington, possibly. Okay. Oh, we might do some bronze, uh, Brosnan. Um, we were supposed, so, like, yeah, we were supposed to. I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I yield the rest of my time. I just wanted to. I just wanted to get that in while we're talking about the plane crash. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Do you, is there any other cities you know the exact geography of? Are you big? because like a lot of action movies set in New York and a lot of action movies the, either you do set the rock in already? Chicago or um, or filmed in Chicago, pretending to be New York. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of that happening uh I, I i i'm more west coast is more what of a I'm west coast of, guy yeah. yeah uh san francisco um helps uh i mean i can also google these things it, it, it i i i will make sure that it is a recurring segment every time i'm on <laughs> as as long as there's some sort of weird flight path in the movie <laughs> okay craig how does the movie end <laughs> okay so they crash. Poe gets out. You think, oh, he's finally going to reunite. We see that Johnny or Johnny Newmarket is yeah oh. is dead. Um, With the arm dead. severed. Yes, that, that that's awesome. quite a good gag actually. When yeah. they, uh, when they move the body and then the arms still hanging there. 
I'm with the handcuff. Yeah, there's basically four prisoners left, maybe less, but um, then we see that Cyrus is getting out, and both Cusack and Cage see Cyrus going on a um, in a fire truck. Separately, they separately see them. Yeah, and then they both jump on um, motorcycles side by side that are kind of police motorcycles, and it rem- it made me think that I didn't know it was a this happened multiple times, but thinking about um, one of the most, what I consider one of the corniest elements of um, Independence Day, you know, which <laughs> tops it is the end where it's like you have, you know, the, the main action hero, the tough guy, and then somehow the like, nerdier guy in quote becomes, has the cool moment too. And they're side by side. And I think about Will Smith and, um, Goldblum, where they're walking after the the like spaceship crashes, and they both have the oh, cigars. they're both smoking cigars, and the there. both yeah. of their women come up to them and they grab them. I always see that part in the movie. And I'm like, this is the stupidest thing. And then, <laughs> um, I hate that scene. I don't know why, but I really like that scene because <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, but this was another one of those things where I was like, oh, it's like one of those. Where, you know, you have these, they're both heroes, but they're kind of, one's the brains, one's the bronze, and now they're both the cool guy together, <laughs> and they're going, yeah. Oh, they no, locked, I think they, they really eyes. should have pushed this moment. I honestly think they really should have pushed this moment into, you know, because this movie is kind of, like, hyper-masculine uh, to, to like yeah. a kind of parodic degree, and I think they should have really just gone all out and had that kind of cool hero shot of the both of them getting on the bikes and have them fist bump at the same time yeah. just, to, I, just to like really push it over the top i was thinking like the the like the open hand like arm grab like the cross arm uh, oh, yeah. thing and then they jump on the bikes like double yeah. dragon style <laughs> uh, or like yeah some... or like yeah they do that they, they do that kind of you know the the manly handshake that Carl Weathers and um, Arnold Schwarzenegger doing Predator. Yep. You know like, that, oh, that, yeah. that exactly that. Yeah. Well, and then they should have it where somehow Cusack is only in a tank top too. <laughs> yeah, suddenly just for this finale part of the film, suddenly Cusack's put on like twenty pound of muscle yeah. that we've just yeah. not been aware of. Yeah. Because it does feel like a separate part of the movie. Yeah. And my, like, they chase down Malkovich, uh, um, Vin Rames, and uh, the crazy guy with the army hat. Uh, the, and, um, like, at one this point. character's called Swamp Thing. Swamp. Oh, really? Yeah. Swamp Thing. Uh, at one point, Nick Cage runs his motorcycle into the fire truck and it explodes. <laughs> and killing kills, Diamond Dog. Yeah. yeah. And then uh he he goes after Malkovich and uh um John Cusack jumps off his motorcycle onto the fire truck, which doesn't explode. Um and uh goes for the guy in the front swamp thing. And I'm just sitting there, I'm like, they murdered all three of those guys. What <laughs> Nowhere in this movie has it been like Nick Cage needs to kill these villains in order to <clears throat> in order to see his family again. Uh, it's just like w- w- they they saved the people on the plane, 
why did they just murder these three? Why did they just murder yeah. these three? I don't. I don't. Yeah. I mean, it's an action movie. I understand yeah. why they did it. I <laughs> just. I was at a loss. At yeah. No. I know. It's. It literally is just that kind of. It's an action movie yeah. that the villain must be truly defeated. You know, he must be killed. Um, well, yeah. That's it. It's, and so, the best part too is that he's only using one arm. Like. <laughs> to basically hold on and like move himself as um cyrus or malkovich is stabbing that um i forgot what they're called the spear thing that the fire axe oh john malkovich (laughs) yeah i was like i don't remember what he had yeah it's like where you can use it to grab on this i don't know by stabbing through it and then he's able um poe our cage is able to snap it in half and then stab Malkovich through the the ankle and then get on to the basically the ladder as they fight and then Cusack decide he asks the guy to pull over and then because that isn't going to happen he sprays the fire hose into the cabin filling it up which is really safe if you're trying to stop the guy that's driving yeah. your car you should definitely drown him in water while you're on top of it but then again because this is an action movie um malkovich is strapped to the ladder (laughs) of the fire engine and like goes through the kind of glass part of a building which absolutely would have killed him but he comes away from that completely unscathed (laughs) and then falls down into a thing that is like a one of those kind of a big kind of hydraulic things which then pulps his head which actually yeah. kills him kills him but uh, fun, not only, yeah. sorry fun vegas fact that i'm making up right now uh it's because of this movie that all the vegas walkways that go over the streets now no longer are no longer enclosed because uh <laughs> in case a cherry picker on the back of a fire truck holding a villain it doesn't smash through them anymore yeah <laughs> But but you're forgetting, Scott, not only that, he smashes through and then lands on electrical power cords getting zapped and then falls in that area. That That is true. That is true. But he comes through all of that unscathed. It's only the hand pulping that manages to finally kill him. Yeah. Also, what tunnel were they in? It's freaking Vegas. There's no I tunnels. Know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and so that's the end of the movie. And I know <laughs> we're almost out of time, but I I have a note here that I forgot to bring up. Yeah, sure. Uh, so we see we see uh Ma- Malloy's Corvette get like hooked by the plane as it's taking off from the junkyard, and then it's like flying behind them, which. I was like, this is surreal and hilarious for, for this action movie. Um, and then the Corvette gets destroyed. Um, but we also see when the plane crashes into the sands, an, an 80s Corvette, uh, a white 80s Corvette, uh, also gets smashed by the plane. And I'm wondering, what is with the hate on Corvettes in this movie? Like <laughs> that, that beautiful 1967 Stingray uh, Corvette. Uh, or freaking awesome was that was that how he put it i don't remember oh fucking spectacular fucking spectacular spectacular. 1967 stingray uh but yeah every chance they had to to destroy a car it was a corvette and i having having 
someone that likes American muscle, I, <laughs> I think that, you know, smash Camaro. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I, I don't, I can't answer that. Um, <laughs> other than like uh, the director's British and, and like maybe he's like, fuck American cars. <laughs> we should have MGs everywhere. <laughs> this um, this movie requires Aston Martins, you know. That's what we want. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so, so they defeat him. <laughs> Nick Cage does say, "I want you to know, to Larkin, there are three men I trust now." And they shake hands, and then he finally gets to see his wife and daughter, which the daughter is a little nervous. But he's and two of them still funny. aren't you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, he find he has this moment where he's basically, yeah, he's they're all holding each other and crying, and that's basically his moment, and that's it for him. And then Cusack, farewell, Larkin and Malloy, they kind of finally see eye to eye, where he apologizes about the car and says he knows a great mechanic, even though the thing is destroyed completely. Yeah. And he says, "Well, I was." bored with that car anyways or something and that's yeah and uh, we like... end we end how we begun with how die live by trisha yearwood yeah. and I... there's the, yeah that's credit nice credits where it shows all the cast but it shows them in points where they're smiling <laughs> oh i love that i love that i love that they do like the kind of sitcom thing of like they <laughs> freeze frame on everybody like having a laugh and then their name comes to oh, us it's, yeah. it's beautiful <laughs> that, that was a staple of 90s movies i feel like yes uh, oh predator <laughs> had that, i remember too and yeah, if not yeah. uh, and if not they they would add like the cast singing a song or something like yeah I, I would have, I would have uh, really liked if they'd gone like full sitcom and been like, you know, you have been watching, and then like. <laughs> yeah. Um. Did we mention they sang? Uh, you got the whole world in your hands or in his hands as they crash. Oh no, we didn't. Uh, as they crash, like Steve Buscemi sings that, and then there's like a, you know, what nowadays would probably be like a post-credits sting, but like before the credits, there's like a, a little sting where. Uh, we cut to a casino and uh, oh, yes. the croupier is saying, oh, do you feel, you know, are you feeling lucky? And then it's um, Steve Buscemi in a snazzy suit that he just bought in the last two seconds. Um, uh, <laughs> and the he's like, cereal, lucky and the, the, dice. the evil serial killer <laughs> got yeah. away and is just you know, having the time of his life. Yeah. He is now wearing a Night at the Roxbury suit for some reason and yeah. is just playing playing games at the casino. Yeah. Yeah. He, he doesn't need to escape. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's that's Con Air. Um before we like before we finish this episode, um uh, you know, because we're, we're pretty much our time is up. Um I want to know your kind of final opinion on the movie uh, because like this is a film that is often treated as like uh, a guilty pleasure um, or like um, or like a good bad movie but because I think it works as an action movie and like a kind of almost like a satire of an action movie i just think of it as a good film i know there's lots of elements that are wacky and over the top and ridiculous and dumb but like i i just i think it's actually a good film because i think there's enough humor here to suggest that they 
that the, the people making it kind of know what they're doing and they know that they're kind of they're turning these tropes up to 11 kind of thing. So I, I, I enjoy that element of it. So I think there's enough knowing this for it to become like a, just a good, good movie. And um, I don't know if that's partly down to the freedom the cast got. Like maybe this would be more of a kind of box standard kind of action movie if it didn't have this cast and they weren't making all these wacky decisions of like, Nick Cage decides he wants to have a southern accent, decides that he's like, this is going to be like his kind of almost like a superhero character. You know, when he was, I watched a video of him describing it and he's being like, this is my character of like a geeky kid who got like beat up, like reading like incredible Hulk comics and wanting to be like a superhero. So he decided to make a character like that. And then there's other actors who similarly got to make, had the freedom to make a lot of their own decisions. Obviously, Dave Chappelle improvised all of his dialogue. Um, John Cusack decided he wanted to wear sandals for no reason. And they were just like, sure, okay, I guess. Um, you know, like, there's all sorts of things like that. So, like, I actually rate this as a film, as a good film. But I don't know. What do you guys think? I do. I think what you kind of said, it it makes sense and it worked. I think if there it was even the slightest ounce more serious or taking itself more serious i would have a a kind of a different tune about it i'd be like but uh okay so i actually enough of the cheesy elements yeah kind of it remedies i guess some of the problems (laughs) of i do yeah i would look at it as a movie especially us looking at it scene by scene breakdown is is pretty difficult but looking at it just as kind of a whole movie and something to just enjoy i i like a lot and i think yeah i like the offbeat cast as you were kind of talking about and i and i like a lot of action movies that use that offbeat cast and those are normally i find some of my favorite ones because it just kind of it brings a different feeling to it even if it's you know the same script or whatever it may be um but yeah i i liked it i i almost there's a part of me watching it now where i wished there was even two or three more scenes to just kind of link certain things together or make it fit even better but yeah it's it's a good time movie and so i and i know when we were talking about which one we were going to do between this and face off um we both really wanted to do con air and in that kind of discussion and so yeah and i'm glad we did it yeah. <laughs> Brian, uh, uh so this is a well well cast well acted movie it's um like it's ambitious in in what it is uh i think you you both mentioned that the it, not taking itself too seriously um like it it rides that line between satire and like a pure action movie and it it does it does a great job of of um managing to to take action elements that are over the top and turn it up to 11 but at the same time be heartfelt and but not overly serious um it's but just serious enough like that that you feel the stakes and that that things actually matter in it um and i think it's a brilliant choice to have 
I want to say, let's see, Malkovich, Buscemi, Reigns, Meany. Um, I think those like those four, they all kind of play against their like typecast type because, you know, Malkovich and Buscemi are like not not going overboard in their character and they're just like cool and collected for once and whereas vin rames instead of being the cool and collected one he's like way over the top as a uh, diamond dog and uh Calamini as well being angry an angry agent instead of the the nice and caring miles o'brien um i i thought that really worked for it um nick cage uh i, I don't know if i said this i don't think i said this in the episode yet um uh, this is around the time that he was being considered for superman um and i i never understood that casting decision at all until watching this movie and and i've even heard his what, voice you mean as until superman. until you saw uh in, until you saw the character of cameron Poole being <laughs> shot in the arm and just walking through it like it's nothing <laughs> exactly that plus i mean he was super ripped in this uh, yeah, i, no, I no, always no. think of nick cage as more like a little bit more on the slim side as an action star um like i i was surprised by that and i i honestly think this was the actual time because you always see him in the superman costume with the conair hair uh the long hair uh the cameron poe hair so it's like i wonder if he was being fitted during this movie uh, like because i think it's a, around this time that superman lives was it was definitely late 90s that um superman lives was kind of being put together so yeah 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 i think it's around this time for sure yeah and then yeah it just it's it works as because uh, it you know it riffs on die hard the die hard formula and like a like i said earlier like a buddy cop type formula um and it just it does it in a way that's unique and interesting um and i don't think can be done again no <laughs> uh is it a good movie i have a very hard time saying yes but yes i i think it is a good and i like it's just it, the cheesy because like i like i said the cheesiness balances out just enough with the seriousness that it you could it doesn't come off as cartoonish even though it is very cartoonish at times yeah 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 it's well balanced and i think that's it that's it that's a good point to to wrap around on so um you already gave uh namely nineties a quick plug but um give it a, a longer plug uh, just before we go uh hi everyone i'm brandon uh from namely nineties a comedy nostalgia podcast uh with two childhood best friends uh looking back at a month from a year in the 90s every single episode we're celebrating our two-year anniversary on the third week of may the third monday in may i don't know when this comes out so check that out if you're interested in seeing the whole range as we look back at uh two years of naming 90s um and you can find that on your favorite podcasting platforms every Monday. People will have to listen to that in retrospect because we're putting this out at the start of June to uh, go with the 25th anniversary. But go back we and definitely listen recommend to it. that people yeah. listen. <laughs> also, I, uh, I uh, oh, oh, 
just to squeeze in one more plug uh mm-hmm. i also stream uh monday wednesday fridays from 4 to 7 p.m pacific and saturdays from 7 p.m to 10 p.m on some twitch.tv slash somtendo where we combine wine and nintendo video games mm. so just thought i'd get that one in there <laughs> excellent thanks for having and uh craig anything you want to plug um so we're well, we're on a little bit of a hiatus, but well, you can follow Bloodhound Picks P I X, where before we were looking at kind of our highlighting obscure and independent horror films and artists, and yeah, looking all across that. But we're doing a whole kind of rebranding thing, and we're gonna I think look at more of the kind of. Yeah, can't say too much, but look at more of the process itself and the hands-on elements that go into it of actually making a film. And so we're kind of changing up format completely. But besides that, you can follow me at, um, I guess the new one I just ended up doing is, would be called Guilty Animals, all one word. And that's on Twitter, Instagram, um, TikTok, even though I haven't really anything on there there is a profile um yeah follow me there if you want great um so uh, that that's it you can follow us on twitter uh, at 90s action um you can follow me on on you know twitter at uh, scott murphy 85 and um, you can also check out my other podcast it's a fortnightly interview podcast, New Horror Express. I talk to indie horror directors, actors, screenwriters, uh, novelists, uh, all sorts of different people. There's also a spin-off of that that's called the Guilty Pleasures podcast, where I look at 21st century horror's guiltiest pleasures uh, with a series of great guests, just like Brandon and Craig here. Um, so... Yeah, there's there's that. And also, you know, obviously five stars, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you're getting them from. Um, well, that's all for this time. We don't know when we will be, be back yet. You know, this was a, a one-off we put together. Um, we might be back again in a few months, um, but we're not sure yet. Um, but keep your eyes peeled or keep your ears peeled and um, keep subscribed, you know, because there's probably another podcast episode going to come up uh, sometime. So, uh, but that's all for now. And until whenever we meet again, see ya. <laughs>